piano was over. I'm sorry. That's a... Well, good morning. It's good to be back. I was on vacation last week with my wife. We were celebrating our anniversary, which is actually today. So I thought that I would do something really nice for my wife and have a really nice hot dog lunch for her um, after the service. So I'm just calling all of you in to stay in uh, for a hot dog lunch for my wife. Uh, <laughs> totally kidding. We're going to do something nice tonight. But uh, not that eating lunch with all of you isn't nice. There we go. Foot and mouth again. Well, it's good to be back. We're on the series. On, we're back on our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I was doing some counting this week, which typically I'm not good at, but it was only up to number 25, so it was okay at. And uh, we, I counted that this is our 25th Sunday on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're actually going to spend a few more Sundays. I think 38 in total. There's 52 Sundays in a year, and we're going to spend 38 Sundays on the Sermon on the Mount this year. Because we believe it's one of Jesus' most powerful teachings. And contained within the Sermon on the Mount literally is such a diversity of topics straight from God. And so we get to the pleasure of really studying and soaking that into our lives. And so uh, today is the 25th Sunday that we're on there. So we're over halfway done on that. I'm sure you're all uh, torn up about that. But it's okay. We'll, we'll find something else great to study um, as well. So we've, especially, we've officially spent half the year on this topic. Um, but today, I want to be honest with you, I did not want to teach on today's topic. Today's topic is fasting, partly because we're having a barbecue after, and it just sort of seems a little weird that we're <laughs> teaching on fasting and having a barbecue right after. But today's topic is on fasting, and I just thought, you know what, we'll just lump that in with Jesus' whole other command to be secretive about giving, about um, about giving acts of charity, about giving money, and, and about your prayer life. And he said, be secretive. Only do that in front of your father. And so I'll just lump that in. And as I began to think that, God sort of, I began reading some materials that sort of revealed in me this deep love for food that I have. <laughs> deep love for food. I'm the kind of guy that I would love to go to In-N-Out and take two donuts and get a double-double and use that as my buns and just, ah, go for it. I'm the kind of guy that if you eat, if you eat dinner, I was taught, by the way, you got to eat all the food on your plate. And so it makes me anxious to have food left on my plate. I'm the kind of guy that covers stuff up with food. I don't like to admit that very often, but I do. I, um, if I'm feeling a certain way, I don't mind going to eat some a little bit. If I'm not hungry, well, that looks good, I'll go eat that. I mean, I just picked that up from being a high school boy at one point. Um, but it sort of, God sort of revealed in me this love for food that I have that needs to be broken due to fasting. So I just want to read you this scripture today where, we're, where we land on the Sermon on the Mount, and then we're just going to dig right into it. It's Matthew 6, 16 through 18. If you have your Bibles, feel free to flip that open. If not, it'll be on the screens. And if you have the iPhone or the iPad app, the Bible app, it'll be on there as well. So Jesus, this is just as a reminder, uh, this is Matthew chapter 6. This is right when he's, after he's taught on prayer. And we did this whole series on prayer, on the, the Lord's Prayer. This is right after he taught on prayer, and he simply says this. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, pour oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So if this is like your first time in church, fasting is not eating. 
And it's not eating for a period of time. It's drinking fluids, but not eating. And this is a spiritual discipline. When I first became a Christian, I just thought people were crazy. Because why would you not eat? You need to eat three meals a day. This is what all the doctors say. This is, this is, these people are nuts. Why in the Bible does it say you shouldn't eat for a period of time? And by the way, I wrote a uh, guideline for you in your bulletins so that you might have that if you have any questions about fasting. And right on the top there, it says, if you're diabetic or have any heart conditions, please do not consider a fast without talking to your physician. Just wanted to throw that disclaimer in there um, because we do have a lawyer in the audience. So I just want to make sure we're good. Right, Rita? Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, Americans, we're not accustomed to not eating. We're not accustomed to starving ourselves. It seems weird. It seems strange. And, and rightfully so. I, I fully understand this. We would see this as um, maybe like a disease that somebody had if they just voluntarily went without eating for a certain amount of time. And there are diseases that are that way, anorexia uh, mainly. What we've been taught from an early age to eat three square meals a day and then you're set. So we have so much food and in America here, we actually throw food away. We simply do not live in a culture that understands fasting as a spiritual discipline. And um, like I said, we did not plan today's barbecue because we were talking about fasting. And when you fast, you should prepare for it anyway. So everybody, please eat at the barbecue. Don't go from this message, oh, they made all this wonderful hot dogs and I can't eat them. Um, But please uh, eat today, unless you're fasting. See, some of the earliest followers of Jesus... And some, even in the Jewish uh, religion, they understood fasting as a discipline. It always came together with prayer, and it always came together with confession of sin. It always came together at this way to connect with God on a deeper level. And that's what fasting was in their level. And it's a discipline. And we explain to you what a discipline. Pastor Paul is doing this class on what spiritual disciplines are, Pastor Paul and Beth. And uh, here's a great definition of what a, what a spiritual discipline is. A discipline is an activity in our power that we do to enable us to do what we cannot do by direct effort. I know that sounds a little convoluted, but I'm going to break it down. A spiritual discipline is an activity in our power that we could do. For me, to read the Bible every day, I have an accountability group. We text each other. And have you read this yet? And I got to text them or else I'll get a text back saying, hey, have you read this yet? So I've got a little accountability group that we just call the round table, and we, we, we read and we uh, text each other these types of things. It's an accountability thing to, to put that discipline in my life so it becomes normal practice. Does that make sense? Okay, let me say it all over again. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm sure it made sense. You guys are all smart people. So a discipline is an activity in our power that we do to enable us to do something that we cannot do by direct effort. So let me give you an example. Elena, would you come on up here? I asked Elena to help me with these juice, uh, I guess these are juice pouches, these uh, little Kool-Aid deals. Um, Let me just toss that away. Um, I got to do a little bit of uh, preparation here. That one's yours. This one's mine. Okay, we're just going to imagine, and actually, can you stand right down over here? We're going to come on down away from electronics. Um, we're going to imagine that this juice pouch is the God-filled life, the grace-filled life. This is the life that God wants for you in his kingdom. Forgiveness, hope, restoration, 
joy, persistent well-being on a regular basis, that you would um, give regularly, be happy about it, that you would enjoy your marriage, that you would enjoy your kids. All, I mean, the grace-filled life, life peppered with grace. Disciplines are what we do. Disciplines are like the straw. They're what we do in order to train ourselves to be able to receive what's in the pouch. And so when you do the disciplines, it becomes pretty easy. Like when you train yourself to receive from God, it becomes pretty easy, right? And when you don't do them, what happens? Yeah. So, all right, that's, that's good. Life gets a little messy. You start following God a little bit. Some of it gets in there, and then sometimes it just blows up in your face. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> I'm glad I've provided you the means for being able to do this. But disciplines are the straw that help us to get to this grace-filled life. And fasting is simply one element of what that discipline is. Can everybody give Elena Swanson a round of applause? And here, i tell you what. If there's a straw, you could, you know, for help me out, you get the rest of that. I know. I give great gifts. So the straw is the disciplines. It's the training that we put into practice in our lives in order to get the grace-filled life, the life that God wants for us. Think about people in the military. Think about people in the army. They don't just, they don't just bring them in and go, oh, you know what? That guy's just ready for war. We're going to send him on off. You know, nobody does that. They put him through basic training. They put him through weapons training. They put him through different schools. And so it becomes second nature for them to survive. It becomes second nature for them to fight in a unit. That's not natural information. It's not natural for us to just follow Jesus in everything we do. It doesn't just come naturally because we have this sin character in our lives. And so we have to train ourselves to follow Jesus better. Some of you have been thinking, what is this missing element in my life? I love God. I love Jesus. I love the Bible, but I just cannot read it every day. I love Jesus, but I just have a hard time following him with my language. I love Jesus, but I just have a hard time following him in giving. I have a hard time following him in all these other aspects. What you could be missing is the straw to the grace-filled life, the means to get deeper with God. And like I said, what Pastor Paul is studying is actually one of the seminal works on spiritual disciplines that help you to understand what they are and how to practice them. And disciplines themselves can turn into legalism. You know, they could turn into legalism. You could worship studying your Bible instead of worshiping God. You could worship fasting instead of worshiping God. I mean, they could all turn into some sort of legalism if we're not careful about them. And that's why living in community is so key and important in this. So let's explore this text a little bit deeper. And let me um, just read it one more time so just to refresh us. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that you will, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. First of all, Jesus says, when you fast... He's not, saying, he's not making a command here. He's not saying, by the way, you need to fast these days of the week. John Wesley, um, an early preacher, would not ordain pastors, Methodist pastors, unless they fasted on um, Wednesday and Fridays. Can you believe that? Two days a week they had to fast 
um, I would never have been ordained a Methodist pastor back in the 1700s because they were required to fast two days a week. But Jesus never made this a requirement. He simply said, when you do it, expecting that we would naturally do this at some point in our life. When you do this, because this was so prevalent in Jewish life. They fasted for a number of occasions. They had group fasts and they had individual fasts, but they did this a number of times. He's not prescribing religious action. He's simply talking about something that's a regular part of Jewish life. He's just commentating on some things that you see naturally in those days. So let me tell you a little bit about fasting in the Bible. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus all fasted for 40 days in something called an absolute fast. I recommend you do not try this. 40 days, and they, the absolute fast is without food and water. You will die if you try this. Please do not try this. The reason why the scripture has them try it is this actually this great thing that God is doing here. One, Moses is the, basically the, the, the law symbolized in the Bible. Elijah is symbolized as the prophets, and Jesus is the son of God. I mean, and so they have these three fasts for 40 days without food or water. And you should only ever attempt that if you feel directly called by God to do it. Likely, you won't be. And that's a good thing. Nehemiah 1.4. Nehemiah fasted and prayed before he approached the king. Nehemiah, some of you might remember the story in the Bible, was a captive. He was a cupbearer to the king. He was the guy who, who tested all the food's drink and, and, and food to make sure it wasn't poisoned. And so he would test this out, and he heard word back at home that in Jerusalem the walls were down. And he knew that he had to win in favor with his king in order to go help rebuild the walls. He knew he had to ask something huge of somebody else. And so he said, you know what, this is going to be a time of direct fasting and praying for this time that I have to spend with the king. And every time, I mean, I don't, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but every time he's hungry, I'm sure that he prayed about this. It's like a reminder to pray about that. Joel 2.12, uh, fasting is connected with mourning. Um, I mean, there's all over the Bible. There's a lot more Bible verses in your little insert. Ezra 8.23, um, we fasted and prayed about these concerns, um, and he listened. And so Ezra talks about how they fasted and prayed, and God listened to him. Luke 2.37, um, and the widow, until she was 84, this is the widow that ended up seeing Jesus, the prophetess Anna in the temple. She never left the temple, but worshiped God day and night, fasting and praying to see the coming of the Messiah, and she eventually did. Fasting is something that's been around for thousands of years. We actually have a skewed view of food in America. Our diet is a little bit changed by what culture has told us is a normal diet. You know, back in um, the first century, the amount of food we're going to eat today would have seemed completely gluttonous to have a hot dog, a little bit of potato salad, some chips, and some water. That would have seemed completely gluttonous. That would have seemed like a ton of food. That would have seemed completely excessive. And so we have to understand there's huge cultural difference in the way that we even see food. Fasting has been around for thousands of years, but people use fasting for two purposes that they're not meant for. And so if you're thinking about using fasting for any of these purposes, then you're just going to be hungry all day. So let me tell you what these things are. One, manipulating God. You cannot manipulate God. You cannot say, okay, I'm going to go without eating for a couple days, and God, you must do this. 
That's not the way fasting works. That's not what the Bible says. We could pray and petition God for things, but it's not about manipulating God. God, I'm going to want a hunger strike until you move. That's not the way it works. Number two is what Jesus talked about, gaining religious respect for yourself. You might be fasting. I mean, Jesus went as far as to say, go take a shower, go clean up, look good. Don't, I mean, look like you're not fasting because this was a normal part of Jewish life. And the religious elite like to make it look, they like to show how religious they were. And so some of us today, it might just be posted on Facebook. Oh man, it's so hard, I'm fasting today. Oh man, it's so hard. We just went out to lunch with uh, so-and-so and they ate an In-N-Out burger in front of me. It's hard because I'm fasting. Those are the types of things that you do to gain recognition from people. So Jesus said, practice this in complete secrecy. This is simply between you or God. When I fast, my wife doesn't even know that I'm fasting that day. I don't give her an opportunity even to know. Because I want this to be even just between God and me. And I tell my wife everything. Zechariah 7.5 says, Ask all the people in the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the, in the fifth and seven months of the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? One of the prophets, Zechariah, even noticed his people doing this. Was it even for me that you fasted? Did you fast because you wanted this deeper relationship with me? Or did you fast because you were trying to manipulate me into doing something? Is what God was asking his people. So was it even to me that you fasted? So instead, Jesus tells his disciples, go the extra mile, take a shower, look presentable, don't tell anyone. Um, I think, excuse me, I I would even say think ahead to if you have lunch plans for that day, think about fasting on a day that you don't have lunch plans with somebody, if that's what you're going to do. But think ahead and think about this as a discipline. Now let's talk about why in the world Denying yourself food for like a day could ever be a discipline in the spiritual life. I, like I said, I had to do a lot of reading on this when I first became a Christian because I thought Christians were completely insane for following uh, this idea of fasting. Now, like I said before, disciplines work on the soul. We tend to cover up the condition of our soul with good things, with food, with stuff, with the internet, with TV. We tend to cover up our true condition with what's on, with with good things, with what we want. And therefore, our true condition never comes out. Does that make sense? Our true condition, what we're really feeling, our anger, our hurt, our pain, we cover that up sometimes in eating. We cover that up sometimes in, in, in playing video games. We cover that up sometimes in hanging out with friends. We might cover that up and having a drink. That's what people cover up their insides with. And when you fast, these things will surface. The true condition of your soul actually surfaces when you fast. If anger is within you, then anger is what you're going to get. Anger when you're hungry. Anger will come out. Bitterness, strife, fear. All those things will come up in fasting. Anxiety. They will all come out in fasting. Now, what we must learn to do is to fast at the same time, feast on Jesus' word. 
As we fast, we must also feast on Jesus' word. So as these things are coming out, we're very introspective, and we're saying, Jesus, what is there about me that you want to change? What is there about me that you need? What have I been holding back from you so that we could be closer together, so that I could have the grace-filled life with you? What is it about that? There's this really interesting thing that happened with Jesus and the woman at the well. Some of you know this story. Jesus went and, and he met this woman at the well and, and, and he, uh, she offered him some water and he basically said, if you learn to drink from me, I have this living water. And she said, what is going on here? And he essentially said, I know what you've been doing. You have five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. And, and he basically proceeded to tell her about her life. And he began to tell her that he is the Messiah, he is the living water, that we could actually gain spiritual substance from him. And so here's, here's what happens. After all that event happens, Jesus' disciples are out shopping for food, and then they come back, and it says this, John four thirty one through 34. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? 34 says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus' response to his disciples is that he gets physical nourishment from spiritual sources. He gets physical nourishment from spiritual sources. So in our life, fasting is the means to get our physical nourishment from God. Just as the Israelites in the desert for 40 years ate this manna, which literally just means stuff, the stuff that fell out of the sky, they ate it every day. And if they tried to hoard it up, then it would go bad the next day. And then they ate quail until quail was coming out of their ears. God provided for them supernaturally. Fasting is the means in which God could provide for you supernaturally. There's this group of men that have lived over the ages and have lived in solitary confinement. Voluntarily, they're monks. Right around 300 AD, they call them the Desert Fathers. These are intensely spiritual people that have lived completely solitary. No comfort, nothing like that. And here's one of the things they say about fasting. This is Avargos the Solitary. Fast before the Lord according to your strength. And keep a note, he says, according to your strength. I think that's really important that uh, if you're medically uh, have some problems that you probably don't fast. (laughs) Fast before the Lord according to your strength. For to do this will purge you of all of your iniquities and sins. It exalts the soul, sanctifies the mind, drives away the demons, and prepares you for God's presence. Because he had this understanding that fasting actually got you spiritual substance from God, physical nourishment from God. And then he says this, if you desire self-restraint, control the belly. If you desire self-restraint, control the belly. Oh, that's the toughest statement I've ever read in my life. Because I want to be a self-restrained person. I want to have patience. I want to, I want to control my actions and stuff. But what he's saying is the whole rest of your body is controlled by your belly. This is what he's trying to say. And it makes sense because if you just give yourself whatever you want, 
then you'll probably be less restrained in other areas. The early church fathers, whenever they talked about self-control, they talked about gluttony and fasting. Fasting is a means to to create in you this self-control that God wants for your life. They spoke about gluttony as to say the primary discipline that needs to be practiced in our life is fasting. And when I read this, I thought this was fascinating. I thought there's no possible way that the primary discipline of our lives should be fasting. I thought this was crazy. But as they say it, it makes more sense because in fasting, you learn to control your body. And then you begin to learn to control yourself. And the perfect kind of control that God wants you to have, self-control, you begin to learn to have that. And as you learn self-control, you begin to learn to abstain from saying certain words. You begin to learn to abstain from doing certain things. And you get to learn the grace-filled life that God wants for you. And the, the solitary church fathers quoted this verse a lot from Ezekiel. And I want to read it to you. Uh, it's Ezekiel, I th- oh, I didn't put the chapter reference, but I think it's chapter 8, verse 9. They will throw their silver into the streets, and their gold will be treated as an unclean, as an unclean thing. Their silver and gold will not be de- able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. It will not satisfy their hunger or fill their stomach, for it has caused them to stumble into sin. So what the early church fathers are saying is silver and gold and the, the desire for wealth, the desire to be sustained by money, and the desire to be sustained by food has only led people into sin. And he's talking about the Israelites. And they're saying, if we can find a way to get our spiritual substance from God, then we will not be led into that sin. Fasting develops self-restraint and patience. Why is self-restraint and patience important? I want you guys to get this. This is vitally important. Without patience in your life, without patience in your life, your prayer time with God will never be effective. Without patience in your life, your prayer time will never be effective. Why? The Bible teaches us to go to Jesus and to bug him. To go to Jesus and to get in his face and say, God, this is what needs to happen, to beg and to petition before the Lord. Without patience, we go, hey, God, I need this for my life. All right, I'm bored with that already. All right, God, I need this for my life. Okay, I'm bored with that already. Hey, God, would you, yeah, I'm bored with that already. I mean, that's the way that we approach God without patience. Fasting develops self-restraint. Self-restraint develops patience. Patience leads us into this very productive time of prayer to where we can literally get our spiritual substance from God, so we can literally learn from God so that we could beg before God on a daily basis of what we desire and of how we want to see his will come to fruition in this place. Without patience, without self-restraint, without the disciplines, it's hard to become the kind of person that can naturally drink out of this juice box. The kind of person that can naturally receive the whole life that God wants for us. There's a lot of other disciplines. Fasting is just one element. It's the tip of the iceberg of all the other ones. Prayer, meditation, study. There's a lot of them. The next thing that Jesus addressed as a discipline, though, is secrecy. Secrecy. I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but I want to touch on this for a second. Secrecy is so important. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about praying in secret, giving in secret, fasting in secret. When you practice the discipline of secrecy, it actually helps you to break the grip of human opinion over your life. When you practice secrecy, not letting people know when you're practicing the disciplines, when you're, when you're praying before the Lord, when you're fasting before the Lord, when you're doing life for the Lord, when, when you do that in secret. And now, in one way, Jesus said, let your light shine. And so that's the natural outflow of a spirit-filled life, letting your light shine. So always do that. But when you practice these disciplines in, in secret, you break the grip that human opinion actually holds on your life. And how many of us, if we were really to be honest with ourselves, say that what other people think about us actually matters? We all like to be tough guys and girls. Oh, it doesn't matter what they say. I could care less what they say about me. But it really matters, doesn't it? It really gets in deep when somebody says something about you. You really feel it in your gut. Secrecy breaks the grip that human opinion can have over your soul. So that includes getting rid of this junk that we post online or talking about it casually like it's no big deal. Oh yeah, I was just fasting today, not a big deal at all. You know, getting rid of that kind of thing in our life and simply doing this before God and God alone, understanding that we only have an audience of one, and that's Jesus. So some of us today might be thinking, wow, what do I do with all this? I want to encourage you that if, if, you're, if you fit this requirement, if, if you're a believer, if you believe in, in Jesus Christ, and if you followed him for a little while and you want to grow deeper, I would just encourage you, if, if you don't have any physical problems, I would encourage you to try fasting just for a day or maybe just for a couple meals. And at the most, three days, but drink some water with that. But when you do it, don't just be a hungry person. Don't just be hungry. That would be a complete waste of your time. But seek what God has for you. Confess your sins. Pray to the Lord. Study the Bible. Ask God, what's inside of you that just needs to be gone? What's inside of me that's keeping me from you? Now, I'd say if this is something in your life that becomes a bragging point, you should absolutely stop. It's, it's no, doing no f- good for you at all. But if it's something that gets you deeper connected to the Lord, then just try it out. I'd encourage you to try it out. But I think the biggest thing is this. In John chapter 6, Jesus was talking with his disciples and helping them to understand that he could actually physically sustain us here on earth. And he says this, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and that gives us, gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. The challenge here is to get our substance from Jesus. The challenge here is to get our physical nourishment from Jesus. The challenge here is to so rely on Jesus in our everyday life that he fulfills us. That's the challenge here. Now, some of you, like I said, fasting is not a very good idea. And some of you, maybe that's one of the steps that you need to do in order to grow deeper to drink from the grace-filled life. 
So like I said, try it for a day, half a day, a meal. Just try it. But the point of it is to get physical nourishment from a spiritual source, from Jesus. Maybe here, here today realizing that your life is simply surrounded by you, that your life is simply surrounded by all these other good things and distractions to keep the soul from really coming up, to keep really from what's the inside coming out. I want to simply challenge you today to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe simply today you need to say, Jesus, I need to surrender my life to you and all these distractions that I've built along the way. I need to surrender that. Because if I don't surrender that to you, then I'm always just going to be distracted in life. So as the band comes, I really would just like to take a moment and pray for us. And if, if that's you, if that's you that just simply needs to start a relationship with Jesus today, or if that's you that needs to surrender some distraction to Jesus today, I just want to invite you to pray with me right now. And to let somebody know, because accountability in this process is a huge deal. It's really important to tell somebody, hey, I surrendered to Jesus today. Or, hey, I'm going to start a brand new life in Jesus. It's very important to tell somebody that. And not only that, it's really important to, to have a good, close friend with you to say, hey, i got to work on some junk. Would you help me with that? Let's pray. Jesus, there are some here today that simply need to surrender their will to yours their way of doing things. God, we need to place our confidence in you. And God, today we declare that we are confident that you can sustain us in all of our needs. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to you. There's some here today that simply need to say, Jesus, I place my confidence in you. I just want to encourage you to do that right now with Jesus, just you and him. There's some of you today that need to say, Jesus, guide me out of these distractions and this junk that keeps me from you. So I just want to invite you to do that right now. Jesus, guide me away from this junk and help me to focus on you. Father, sustain us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.